in week four of this series we titled Best Life Apps, where we're looking at application. That's what really the whole series is based on. It's this principle that application makes all the difference. And it's based on one verse from James's book, uh, Brother of Jesus. And I give you, I've given you like a different version every week, just so you'll have a different way of hearing it. James 1.22, New Century Version, says this, Do what God's teaching says. When you only listen and do nothing, you are fooling yourselves. And we've looked in our culture of how we just kind of do that. We feel like we come to church, you know, maybe we go to a prayer meeting, we listen and we feel like we've made progress. Yet James and common sense teaches us that what you do with what you learn is the key. Doing is really believing. So we started by downloading the Confession app. Last time we got together, we downloaded the Trust app. This week, we're looking at another very incredibly important app called the Encouragement app. And to do that, I just want to take you back to the days of when I did my internship. When I first got involved in ministry, my first job was I was an intern at a church. One of the things that I used to have to do was go preach at several different churches, Our pastor, Orlando Rivera, somebody would request for him to speak, and he goes, I got your guy. It's Lenny. And so oftentimes I wouldn't even be at our home church. I'd be at this church or that church. It was a great learning experience for me, but some of the more memorable experiences involved people talking to me when I was at their church uh, before they knew I was the guest speaker. And sometimes it was interesting. Sometimes it was encouraging. Sometimes it wasn't. One time I was at this church and this lady just runs up to me and she goes, are you a visitor here? And I said, well, actually, yes, I am. She goes, oh, that's great. She goes, let me tell you, I've been here for years and our pastor is great. He's just great. He's like Tony the Tiger or something, you know. And and I was like, well, well, that's awesome. She goes, but unfortunately, he is not here today. She goes, and I looked at this thing and there's some guy named Lenny. I've never heard of him. What kind of name is that? Doesn't sound very pastoral to me. I mean, what do you say at that point? It's kind of awkward. I mean, I couldn't really say anything. (laughs) Well, I did the only reasonable thing. I did what we would often do when we would do outreach. I would say, well, you know what? I actually heard that the guest speaker is awesome. I heard he was great. In fact, that's the only reason I'm here this morning. You know what I mean? And about that time, one of the staff members came up and said, Hey, Lenny, I'm so glad you're here. We're glad to have you as our guest speaker this morning. Have you two met? And I said, well, actually, we haven't. And he goes, well, he said the lady's name. This is Lenny, our guest speaker. And you could see the blood just drain out of her face. I mean, I felt bad for the lady. But you've been there before, haven't you? Where you stuck your foot in your mouth, you said something. I mean, you've had good conversations, you've had bad conversations, but let's face it, conversations are just a part of life. They really are. And the reason I bring this up is recently I stumbled upon some insight about conversations that startled me. In fact, when I saw this, I thought, man, I hope I can apply this to my life. I hope I never forget this. And this insight comes from a group called the Gottman Institute. And they've done a lot of research. And here's what they found. They found that in conversations, 
whether it's at work, at home, with your kids, your spouse, that there's a ratio of encouragement to criticism. And what they found is this. For every one comment of encouragement, there's six comments of discouragement and criticism. Every one comment of encouragement, on average, you get six comments of criticism. And I thought, this is huge insight. They said, when you encourage somebody, you're a great husband, you're a great worker, oh, I'm so happy for you, that there's six, why can't you do a better job? Why did you do that? I thought you said you were going to do this. Six to one. And when I saw that, I thought to myself, this explains a lot. This explains why so many marriages struggle. This explains why so many workplaces are toxic. And so many bosses have trouble getting along with their employees. This explains a lot. In fact, if anyone has ever said this to you, I can't seem to do anything right in your eyes. This is what they're pointing to. That for every one time there's encouragement, there's six points of criticism. And it's a real issue. Now here's the great news. Today's app, the encouragement app, is going to be a help with us. And to get us started, I just want to look at something that Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. And he wrote this. This goes right with what we just sang about he took the fall for me. And I want to point this out. Because he starts out in this passage by saying this. For God has not destined us for wrath. In other words, there's a difference between us, the believers, and the world. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. So whether we are awake or asleep, what he means by that is dead or alive, we will live together with him. Paul says this, we've got a great future. He's reminding us. We have a great hope. That we're, we who are in Christ Jesus, we're not destined for wrath. We're destined for this incredible future. And as a result of that, we should respond a certain way. Check this out. Therefore, because we are believers, because we are destined for heaven and a future and a hope, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are also doing. You know, I like to say this. You might have picked up on this. I like to say, that is a biblical command. You know how I like doing that? And I do like doing that because that's not the authority of Lenny. That's the authority of the Bible. You know, and I like pointing that out to you. Maybe you don't want to listen to me. I wouldn't listen to me either. But I would hope you'd listen to the Scriptures. And this right here is not a request. It's not, oh, if you think about this, Paul's saying, remember who you are in Christ. Remember what Jesus did for you. Remember what your future is. Remember what your hope is. And as you remember that, remember that these people that were created in my likeness and image, they need something from you. They need encouragement. And you think about the world that we live in. I mean, is it all encouragement? When you pick up the newspaper, is it encouragement? When you watch the news? I mean, let's face it. I say this all the time. We live in a fallen, broken world. Okay, And that can beat us up. So how do we deal with that? How can people deal with that? Well, Ken was reminding us earlier, you know how we do all this work on Sunday? Well, it's encouragement. 
See, a word of encouragement can go a long way. And there are encouragers and there are discouragers. And if we're honest with ourselves, and I'm going to be honest with you guys, it's the way I like to roll. Sometimes I just forget. Sometimes I just gripe at my kids too much. That six to one ratio, when I read that, you know what I thought to myself? Well, that describes you. You know, that really describes you. Sometimes if we don't think about it, if we're not conscious of this, we just don't do it. But Paul says, therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are also doing. And the question that I ask myself is, why don't I do this more? And why is this such a problem? And here's the deal. Nobody's going to argue against this. Nobody's going to say, well, you don't need to encourage other people. Here's the problem. We view encouragement as just a nice thing to do. It's just a nice thing to do. And that is a problem. Because if encouragement's just a nice thing to do, then it's not really absolutely vital. But the point I'm going to make before we really dive in is encouragement's not just a nice thing to do. Encouragement is vital. It is necessary for life. I'm going to say this, that without encouragement, a human being cannot navigate this world in this life. An encouraging word can change your trajectory and your future. And a discouraging word can cripple you and hurt you. What we're going to talk about today is going to allow us, hopefully, to change this ratio from six to one, six criticisms to one encouragement to I don't know. What if we flipped it the other way? What if everybody was like, I bet Paul's probably six to one. Six encouragement to one discouragement. Probably. But you know what? Some of us are more encouragers. Some of us are Barnabas. Barnabas in the Bible was the son of encouragement. He just went around encouraging people. And there are people like that that you've met. But for most of us, we just kind of struggle. We think, yeah, encouragement's a nice thing to do. But you know what? Encouragement's more than a nice thing. It's a vital thing. It is oxygen to our soul. It's something that we absolutely need. So if we were to go back in the last week, what would your ratio be? Would you be like me, six criticisms to one encouragement? Maybe it's three to four. I don't know. But I want to look at some things, and we're going to look at some application from the Bible that I think will be helpful for us, because we have a tendency to just take conversations for granted. See, here's what I do. I don't know about you. Here's what I, I just talk, 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 talk without thinking a lot. This past weekend, I got to watch some Gator basketball, and it was a good thing. And one of the things I realized is I kind of like watching basketball on TV. Do you know why I like basketball on TV? Because, see, a lot of the Gator games, I'm there. I have to watch what I say when I'm there. Because there's people around me that actually know me. And I have to be kind of nice. But when I'm in my Gator cave, they call it, I can say whatever I want. You know, I kind of like to be able to yell at the other players or the refs. And, which reveals something about me and my fallen nature and my heart. That sometimes as human beings, we gravitate towards discouragement if we're not thinking about it. And see, I don't always think about my conversation. I don't know about you. But what we need to do and what the Bible instructs us to do is before you say something, think before you speak. 
And what would it look like and what would the world look like if the ratio instead of six discouragement for every one encouragement was six encouragement to every one discouragement? And think about this. Sometimes as Christians, maybe we pray for something. Oh, God bless so-and-so. God bless Bill. Sometimes we think, well, I've blessed Bill. But you know what? Sometimes God would say to you, well, yeah, I want to bless that person that you're praying for. And I have a plan to bless them. And sometimes God says, you know what the plan is? It's you. (laughs) I want you to bless them. I want you to say something to them. I've put you in this position in proximity of this person and in relationship with this person for a reason. So I could bless them. And oftentimes we can bless people with our words. As I saw the pictures of you guys helping out, I I had this thought because, you know, when you serve and you're a blessing to others, what happens? You get blessed, right? When you go out and you do something physical and you serve something, you receive, you're like, man, we receive most of the blessing. Let me tell you something about encouragement. When you encourage others, guess what happens? It's that same biblical principle. It's like that boomerang. You throw that encouragement out and it goes all the way around and it comes back and it hits you. And think about this. The most, in, the most encouraging people, the, the happiest, most content people you've probably known in your lives are those that just walk around encouraging people. You see, when you're in encouragement, you receive encouragement. It's this biblical principle that when you give, you get. That when you sacrifice, you receive. And this is no different. But oftentimes we just don't think about conversations as being that important because after all, they're just conversations. But the Bible has something different to say about that. It says, yes, it's going to benefit others, but it's going to benefit you. And the wonderful thing about this principle that we're going to see from the Bible today is that it is a win-win. Not only do the people around you win, but you win as well. So here's where we're going to go. Proverbs chapter 11. And Proverbs, if you're not familiar with the book, was written by this guy named Solomon. And Solomon's an interesting guy. Uh, People say he's the wisest man that ever lived. Uh, Scholars say he's the most wealthy, powerful man probably to ever walk the planet. Solomon wrote this amazing book of Proverbs, and he gives us incredible principle as it relates to encouragement. And it says this, The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And that word in the Hebrew, refresh, literally means replenish. It's like being watered. Uh, Those who replenish others will themselves be replenished. And this is a huge idea. Because what Solomon is getting at is if we're not careful, we'll drift towards criticism, not replenishment. And he's getting at an assumption that all of us need to be encouraged. And, And this is the reason. Everyone at some time suffers from self-doubt. Everyone says, can I do it? Can I make it? Do I have what it takes? If we're honest with ourselves. I love what Truett Cathy, he's the founder of Chick-fil-A, says about encouragement. He said that there's an international sign that you can use to determine whether a person needs encouragement or not. And you know what that universal sign is? Whether or not they're breathing. If you're breathing, you need encouragement. And he's traveled all around the world and he's seen this. He says, if they're breathing, they need encouragement. Why? 
Because all of us, to a certain extent, are plagued by self-doubt and insecurity in some fashion or another, and I can prove it. And ladies, let me tell you this about men. Every man wrestles with a question, and this is true. They might deny it, but if they do, they're lying. Here's the question that men wrestle with. Do I have what it takes? Am I significant? Do I have what it takes to be a husband, a leader, a father, a Christian? And we go into a world that, you know what it says to us? No, you don't. And we get beat up. And please get this. If we go out into the world and we're getting beat up, beat up all day, and we go home, and what we get is six criticisms to one encouragement, do you know what that does to us? If I'm wrestling with this question, do I have what it takes? And I go home and my wife is just like, bam, bam, bam. What does that do to me? Now, fortunately for me, I don't have that kind of wife. I have the kind of wife that says, there's more to you than that failure. Once this week, I was beating myself up because I kind of felt like I had blown it with one of my kids. And I was just beating myself up and beating myself up. Hey, that's another reason people need encouragement. Not only does the world beat you up, not only does the enemy beat you up, but we have a tendency to beat ourselves up. And so I'm just beating myself up, beating myself up. And my wife stopped me and she says, that one thing does not define who you are. And it doesn't. I was watching 60 Minutes and uh, there was this opera singer. Amazing African-American young man. He's one of the greatest opera singers in the world. They told his story. And as a young man, he was um, in juvenile detention center. And uh, he had all kinds of problems. And I mean, the language that he used and the trouble that he got in. This kid was a mess. And they said, well, how did you go from there to here? And he goes, there was a teacher. There was an elementary school teacher. This teacher was so instrumental in this man's life and changing his direction. When he went to juvenile, she got in the car and drove to the juvenile detention center and stood in front of him and said, this moment will not define you. This moment will not define you. This is not who you are. This is not what you're going to be. You can overcome this. Encouragement, encouragement, encouragement. They brought that teacher in. She's sitting next to the guy. She's laughing. She goes, you see this refined man that's sitting right beside me here? And they're all going, yeah, this great opera singer. She goes, this wasn't the case when he was a young man. How did the transformation happen? He says, encouragement from one teacher. See, that's the power of encouragement, and that's the power of our words. We think, uh, it's just conversation. It's not just conversation. For some, it could be life or death. And what Solomon's telling us and what James is telling us is this is not just a nice thing to do. This is critical. This is oxygen to our soul. And, you know, men have this thing, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not significant enough. And let me tell you, women, men need to hear, you can do this. You're okay. God's got this. They need encouragement. Women don't need encouragement, though. Of course they do. Because men, you know what women think? Am I pretty enough? Am I special enough? Am I beautiful enough? And it's not just the physical thing. It's the inside things, you know. Am I special? I tell people when me and April got married, I told you I love you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. That doesn't really work. And women need to know. 
They need to know. And sometimes we as guys are just clueless. But I can prove that ladies are asking the question, am I special? Do you notice me? And here's how. When ladies get their hair done, they don't tell you they did it, do they? No. Do you know what they do? They wait. And this is a cruel game, man. It's a very cruel game. I don't know what the time frame is, five minutes, ten minutes, fifty. But at some time, the buzzer sounds, ding, ding, ding. And they say, did you not notice I got my hair cut? The warning light should be flashing at this time. Not that I've ever done it. But uh, the point is, do you think I'm special? It's something that the women need to hear. Do you think I'm significant? Do I have what it takes is the thing that the men needs to hear. And we all need to hear it. And if you get so busy with life or work or discouragement, sometimes you just don't notice. Sometimes you just don't notice, you know, maybe I don't notice my daughter. I'm always on my daughter. So you got to do this. you got to make the grade. Sometimes I can get so wound up and pushing and pushing and do the right thing. And I'm a Christian and we're a Christian family and you got to do this. Sometimes I just forget to say, I just love you. You're beautiful. You're special. As I thought about this and I'm thinking about my daughters. I told my twins, I'm proud of them this morning. I love them as they hugged me and went on their way. And I got two more waiting at home and I got to go home and give it to them too. And tell them they're special. I'm proud of them. They're beautiful. They're God's gift to me. They need this in order to be encouraged and to grow. Kids need it. We need it too. Can I tell you something and just be honest with you? This is a problem I have. This is my confessional moment. I'll have a few of them probably. But every Sunday when I come in here, and I'm kind of lost professionally a little bit. Don't really know what's next for me in ministry. Every Sunday when I preach, do you know what I think? Oh, God, that was bad. I literally do. It's probably the enemy, but I always think that's terrible. Do you know who comes up to me and goes, oh, wow. And I thought, oh, I knew it. He's going to say this is terrible. It's Bill. And you know what? He doesn't say, oh, that's terrible. You know what he says? That was great. And he tells me just personally how it blessed him. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. And then I go, I'm ready to just tell East Point I can't come back anymore. You know what I mean? Just about every Sunday. And before I can get to that Gator van, Bill's encouraging me and say, that was a blessing to me. Man, I never thought about that. Remember when I talked about the gap? You know what I mean? He goes, I never thought about a gap, man. And it's encouraging. And I go, well, maybe I can come back in a couple weeks and share another message with the congregation. Do you see how critical this is? See how important this is? The funny thing about encouragement, do you know where we get this thing right? Is at funerals. Isn't it true? You go to a funeral and, man, he's the greatest guy to ever live. Greatest woman that ever lived. He was my hero. She was my hero. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's appropriate. But you know what the one problem with that is? They're dead. They're already with Jesus, hopefully, by then. It's almost too late at that point. What if they would have heard all that? Before then, what difference would it have made? Don't wait to give people roses of encouragement at their funeral. Give them roses of encouragement while it is still called today. You got to fight for this because if we're not careful, we'll drift towards a six to one ratio, if not worse. The author of Hebrews wrote this. This is beautiful. We must also consider how to encourage each other 
to show love and to do good things. We should not stop gathering together with other believers like we're doing this morning, as some of you are doing, some people don't. Instead, we must continue to encourage each other even more as we see the day of the Lord coming. I'm amazed how many businesses fail to practice encouragement at the workplace. Because encouragement is viewed as just some nice thing to do. It's astounding. Because my grandfather taught me this. He goes, you know what? Saying something encouraging to another person costs you zero. It costs you nothing. It's free. To Encouragement is a free. The encouragement app is a free download. And you can use it as much as you want. And in fact, not only does it not cost you, but it gives back to you. It rebounds back and encourages you. Jeff Henderson is a guy, I'm talking about Chick-fil-A a lot today. He worked for Chick-fil-A in the marketing department. And one day he walked into the president, Jimmy Collins' office. Jimmy Collins was an amazing leader. He gets into the, his office and Jimmy Collins has a lighter out and he's burning paper. Anytime you walk into the office of a president and he's burning paper, I mean, generally it's not a good sign. But what Jimmy was doing is he was burning the edges of these papers and kind of put it out and scooped the ashes into an envelope. Henderson's looking at him wondering, what's he doing? And he kept doing it. What he was doing was this. He had written a letter to each owner-operator of Chick-fil-A. And what he said in the letter was, your sales are on fire. And he burnt the edges and just scooped the ashes into the envelope just for some extra effect. Now, fast forward several months later, they're at the Chick-fil-A convention. It's where owners and operators and their spouses get together. They have a three or four day convention. And they recognize the operators that had reached their quota won a car. So it was a pretty good deal. And they got up to stage and Jeff Henderson says this. He said, Each and every person who had reached their quota and won the car said this. You know, there was this point last year where I was discouraged. Where I knew there was no way we were going to reach our quota. And then I got this letter. And I opened it up. There were these ashes all falling out. And then Jimmy Collins, the president, said, Your sales are on fire. I'm behind you. I'm for you. We can do this together. And I said to myself, Well, if Jimmy Collins believes in me, guess what? I think I do too. And they said, that was the thing that changed our trajectory of sales that year. And that's the power of encouragement. Don't tell me that encouragement is just a nice thing to do. And, you know, when we get some time, we'll do it. Encouragement is huge. And you got to fight for this. That's why it's a biblical command, not an option. You have incredible power to bless or curse with your mouth. And our tour guide, James, gives us some more insight into this. Check this out. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. And sometimes, watch this, it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. You know what James is saying? You're in Christ. You have a future. You have a hope. You have a responsibility to bless those that were created in the likeness and image of God. But pastor, they don't think like we do who are Christians. Who cares? 
It doesn't say if they agree with everything you say. It says no. Listen, here's the thing. If we, the church, are an encouragement, who will be? The media? No. It's our responsibility as people of Christ, as those who have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, to everywhere you go, you should just be an encouragement. You should look for opportunities. You should see a young person with a weird haircut and three or four tattoos. Just be an encouragement to them because you never know how much that might change their trajectory. That's the kind of power you wield. You might think, I'm not important. Let me tell you something. Your words are important. They impact people. They certainly do. My kids, you guys know I have 1,500 kids. and You know, uh, well, they were all pretty much raised by one lady, my wife. But one lady, a children's minister at the church April and I were married at. And she was a children's minister at Rise Church that we led. And she pretty much helped us raise all our kids. And her story of coming to Christ is an interesting one. She was at the grocery store. And she sneezed really hard. And a man looked at her eye to eye and said, God bless you, ma'am. And she said, when he said that, I knew he wasn't just saying it. I knew he meant it. And so next Sunday, I went to church. And the rest is history. Listen, because of a sneeze, because one guy said, God bless you. That's the power of your words. That's the power. I have a first cousin who's a Christian. He's a little bit more charismatic than I am. Uh, I love him to death. His name's Craig Barnes. He was a great track runner. Probably my daughters who are playing college soccer, I always say they're the greatest athletes in my family, but they probably have one rival, and that's my cousin, because he was just an incredible uh, all-American track star. In fact, when they had the Olympics in Atlanta, he got to carry the torch and run it across his county into Georgia. And uh, just amazing track guy. But anyway, he's been running his whole life. And he'll run around his hometown of Valdosta, Georgia. And he's got this habit that I never liked, to be honest with you, because I'm Mr. Evangelism. He'll run, and if you see someone, he'll go, Jesus loves you. You know what I mean? And keep running. And I'm like, you know, that's a little over the top. That's kind of a little bit too much in your face. I don't know if that's strategic and reaching the lost for Christ. Because I know more than he does about evangelism. I've been trained in this field. Well, this lady comes up to him one day. And she goes, you're the Jesus guy. He's like, excuse me, man. You run and say, Jesus loves you. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm guilty of that. Yeah, I do that. She goes, well, let me tell you something. She goes, I got something to tell you. About four years ago, I was deeply depressed. I have a wonderful husband, had two wonderful children, but I don't know, depression just came over me. And so I had just decided I was no good for my husband or my kids. I just needed to take myself out of the situation. So I determined that when my husband went to work and my kids were off to school, I was going to get my husband's handgun. I was going to put it in the glove compartment box, close it, drive off to the woods, and end my life. And she was going to do it that way so her husband didn't have to find her. Well, I can tell you that we do have some pastoral training, that in our training, when someone has a detailed plan for how they're going to end their life, they're serious. This lady was serious. So she said... Just as she planned it, the day went off, her husband went to work, 
kids went to school. She came home. She grabbed the handgun. She opened the passenger side of the car, went to put it in the glove box. Guess who jogged by? Jesus loves you. She said, and you made eye contact with me. And when you said that, I knew it was true. She burst into tears. He didn't even know about it. Ran in the house, called a church. Back then it was Yellow Pages. Found a church in Yellow Pages. Called them. Met with a pastor who referred her to a counselor. She got the help she needed. Changed her life. She said, I just want you to know that I'm happy and I'm healthy. I have a great marriage. My kids are being raised. Because you jogged by one day and said, Jesus loves you. Changed your life. Shows what I know about it. I never would be so quick to judge someone who's going to say any word of encouragement. Here's the thing. We serve a big God. When you throw a word of encouragement out, the Holy Spirit can take that and magnify that and supercharge that and change things. That's the power of words. And that's why we have to understand that this six to one thing, hey, maybe for non-Christians, I don't know. But for us, in this house, okay, in the church of Jesus Christ, we have to be encouragers, okay? We do. We do. Let me show you the timeless truth for today. Encouragement is no small thing when you're on the receiving end. Think about that lady. Jesus loves you. It's no small thing to her. I thought it was kind of dumb, but not at all. So when you think about the ratio of six to one, let me ask you this. Where do you land? Are you like me? Do you talk, talk, talk without thinking? Or do you consider how to spur others to do good works like the author of Hebrews taught us? So here's your homework. I know I don't normally give you this, but I want you to do something over the next few weeks till we meet again. I want you to start counting. I want you to start counting. Because it's not like constructive criticism isn't important. That can be a form of encouragement too. But I want you to be aware and I want you to think before you speak. How many times am I being an encouragement versus how many times am I being a discouragement? Because Solomon said that if you refresh others, you yourself will be refreshed. And I think Solomon was right. Because the most content people I know are those who practice encouragement. And this is no small app that we're downloading this week. You never know how far an encouraging word can travel. It could transform a business. It could change the life trajectory of a young person. It could start a movement. It could save a life. It will have eternal impact. And I close with this. I'll leave you with this. Words of Paul. Do not use harmful words, but only helpful words. The kind that build up and provide what is needed. So that what you say will do good to those who hear you. Pray with me. Oh, Father God, so often I fail in this arena. So often I just tend to go to discouragement. Father, we need your help. We need you to help us to, and to remind us that we are your mouthpieces that we are ambassadors of Christ Jesus, that we are the ones that are to go out to spread words of encouragement, words of hope, 
God, we know that you are our hope and you are our encouragement. Help us and remind us how important these things are. We trust that you will, Lord Jesus, because we pray in your name. Amen.